Welcome to the Daily News in Brief podcast. Today is the 2nd of July and this week's main stories are The Prime Minister has rejected claims there was a lost week while local officials waited for coronavirus testing results in Leicester. The Midlands City reintroduced lockdown restrictions on Tuesday following a spike in infections. The renewed measures signify the UK's first local lockdown and will last for at least two weeks. Non-essential shops have been shut and schools are closed to most pupils. Those living in Leicester are being told to stay at home as much as they can and non-essential travel within and in and out of the city should be avoided. Health Secretary Matt Hancock said the restrictions were necessary due to an uptick in local infections, with the city accounting for 10% of all positive cases in the country over the past week. Quizzed on the government's response to the outbreak by Labour leader Sakia Starmer on Wednesday, the Prime Minister said relevant testing data had been shared with all local authorities. However, Starmer claimed officials in Leicester only received full figures last Thursday, so there was a lost week whilst the virus was spreading. Johnson has insisted the government was not slow to act and instead suggested there were particular problems in Leicester in implementing the advice and in getting people to understand what was necessary to do. The PM's comments contradict those made by Leicester Mayor Sir Peter Salisbury, who has criticised the government for being slow to share testing figures and claimed local officials have been trying to access the data for weeks. Agreements signed between councils and the Department for Health over the past seven days mean local authorities will now be given access to postcode-level data about the number of people testing positive for the virus in their communities. Previously, local councils did not routinely have full access to the data. It follows the news there were 176 further deaths from the virus in the UK on Wednesday, bringing the country's total death toll to 43,906. Meanwhile, in Wales, pupils have begun returning to school for the first time since March. Schools in Wales have remained open throughout lockdown, but only for the children of key workers and pupils classed as vulnerable. Pupils returning on Monday were greeted by hand sanitizer stations, staggered start times and smaller class sizes, with desks spaced out in line with social distancing. It is hoped children will be able to use the next three weeks to check in, catch up and prepare ahead of the start of the next academic year. In Scotland, non-essential retailers were allowed to open their doors on Monday, along with some workplaces such as factories. It is the first time many outlets have opened to customers since lockdown was imposed in March. The UK economy has contracted at a sharper rate than previously thought, according to new figures from the ONS. Data shows gross domestic product, or GDP, fell by 2.2% in the first three months of 2020, the worst quarterly fall since 1979. The ONS had previously forecast a decline of 2%. However, both of these figures are expected to be dwarfed by the economic contraction predicted for the second quarter of this year. The ONS has already reported a drop of 20.4% in GDP for April alone, suggesting the coronavirus lockdown is likely to trigger the UK's deepest recession in modern times. In a live interview on Monday, the Prime Minister admitted the country had been through a profound shock and said it was time for a Rooseveltian approach to the UK, referencing the former US President Franklin D. Roosevelt's New Deal, which funded major public works following the Great Depression of the 1920s. His comments came as the government prepared to launch Project Speed, a new task force designed to accelerate the delivery of major infrastructure projects in the UK, including schools, hospitals and roads. Johnson has pledged not to return the country to the austerity of 10 years ago, instead saying, we really want to build back better, to do things differently, to invest in infrastructure, transport, broadband, you name it. However, Johnson has faced criticism for comparing his plans to Roosevelt's New Deal. Labour leader Sakia Starmer has highlighted that there is no new money in Johnson's announcement, saying, well, the Prime Minister promised a new deal, but there is not much that's new and it's not much of a deal. The Climate Coalition has also condemned the plans for failing to accelerate the UK's transition to a zero-carbon economy. The announcement of Project Speed comes after new House of Commons library analysis suggested unemployment could surge to its highest level since the 1980s. According to a report from the BBC, UK firms slashed more than 10,000 jobs in just two days this week. The job losses were recorded from at least seven large employers across aviation and high street retail, two sectors severely hit by the coronavirus lockdown. Among those to announce cuts is department store owner John Lewis. The company said it would be reducing staff numbers and stores in a bid to cut costs. The reality is that we have too much store space for the way people want to shop now, the firm said in a statement. 
Meanwhile, new figures from Nationwide show annual house price growth stagnated last month, with property values down 0.1% year on year. The figures mark the first annual fall in house prices since December 2012. Robert Gardner, chief economist at the Building Society, said it is unsurprising that annual house price growth has stalled, given the magnitude of the shock to the economy as a result of the pandemic. Campaign group Generation Rent has also warned that as many as 45,000 households could be at risk of homelessness if evictions go ahead for those behind on rent. It follows polling by the Resolution Foundation, which revealed 13% of renters are behind on rental payments, compared with about 4% before the pandemic, according to the English Housing Survey. Around the world, more than half a million deaths from COVID-19 have now been recorded, according to John Hopkins University. Experts have warned the true death toll is likely to be far higher due to delays and suspected underreporting, as well as variation in cause of death definitions. The milestone came as many countries consider the reimposition of lockdown measures following a resurgence in cases. In the US, Vice President Mike Pence claimed the Trump administration had made remarkable progress in tackling the virus, despite rising infection numbers being reported in the majority of the country's 50 states. The US continues to report the highest volume of cases in the world, with more than 2.5 million infections so far. On Tuesday, the country recorded more than 47,000 new cases, its biggest daily spike since the start of the pandemic, according to a Reuters tally. California, Texas and Arizona are considered new epicentres of the disease, after the state's coronavirus cases more than doubled in the last month. Top infectious diseases expert Dr Anthony Fauci has told US senators he is very worried about the spread of the virus, saying, clearly we are not in total control right now. Meanwhile, the US has bought up almost all global stocks of remdesivir, one of only two medicines proven to work against the virus. The purchase means there will be no supplies of remdesivir for the UK, Europe and most of the rest of the world for the next three months. Elsewhere, outbreaks in Brazil and India continue to drive up the global infection rate, accounting for over a third of all new cases in the past week. Both countries are battling epidemics with more than 10,000 new cases a day. Calculations by some researchers have suggested the death toll in Latin America could surge to more than 380,000 by October, up from around 100,000 this week. In Australia, a further 73 COVID-19 cases were recorded in Victoria on Wednesday. State authorities have issued lockdown orders in response to the outbreak in the Melbourne suburbs. The month-long restrictions came into force late on Wednesday and are expected to affect around 300,000 people. Residents are now only permitted to leave home for work or caregiving, medical appointments, grocery shopping and exercise. The measures will be accompanied by a testing blitz aimed at tracking and containing the virus's spread. While Australia has fared better than many other nations during the pandemic, recording just 104 deaths, the recent outbreak has raised fears of a possible second wave. In China, a strict lockdown has been reinstated in Anqin, Hubei province, after a cluster of new infections was reported. On Sunday, Chinese officials said the county, which is home to around 400,000 people, would be fully enclosed and controlled. Only essential workers are permitted to leave home and one member of a household can shop for necessities each day. Chinese health authorities are said to be taking even small outbreaks very seriously in a bid to avoid a second wave of infections. The World Health Organization has confirmed it is planning to send a team to China to investigate the origins of COVID-19. The organization told reporters this week that discovering the source of the virus was vital, saying, we can fight the virus better when we know everything about it, including how it started. Scientists have suggested the infection potentially passed from animals to humans at a wet market in the Chinese city of Wuhan. In UK news, West Midlands Police and Crime Commissioner David Jamieson has condemned the government's plans to reopen pubs and bars on the 4th of July, saying, To actually open the pubs on a midsummer Saturday night strikes me as a decision from people who are disastrously out of touch with reality. Jameson said he warned Home Office Minister Kit Malthouse the decision to reopen pubs on Saturday could lead to increased violence and overcrowding at coastal resorts. Police were attacked at unlicensed music events in Brixton and Notting Hill in London last week, and two illegal street parties were closed down in the capital on Saturday night. Home Secretary Priti Patel has urged the public not to crowd onto beaches or attend large parties due to the risks still posed by COVID-19. It is simply unacceptable to have people gathering in some of these awful ways we've been seeing, she said. 
adding, the public need to think about other people in terms of spreading the virus. The UK's top civil servant has confirmed he will be stepping down as cabinet secretary and head of the civil service in September following weeks of negotiations over his job. Sir Mark Sedwell's departure from number 10 is expected to become part of a wider shake-up of top jobs across the civil service. The changes are being overseen by Cabinet Minister Michael Gove and Number 10 Advisor Dominic Cummings, who is reported to have clashed with Sedwell. Former civil service head Lord Kerslake has claimed Sedwell was unfairly smeared by Johnson's aides over the government's coronavirus failings in off-record briefings to the press. Police have launched a criminal investigation into the NHS Trust where at least 42 babies and three mothers have died. The deaths at the Shrewsbury and Telford Hospital Trust are thought to amount to the worst maternity scandal in the history of the NHS. An initial review of maternity care at the Trust examined 23 cases, but the inquiry has now widened to consider almost 1,200 instances where babies died or suffered brain damage in cases dating as far back as 1979. A leaked interim report prepared last year uncovered a toxic culture at the maternity unit and identified at least 45 avoidable deaths and 47 incidents of substandard care. Police are investigating whether there is evidence to support a criminal case against the Trust or individuals involved. The Premier League has reaffirmed its commitment to anti-racism, but insists its support for the Black Lives Matter campaign is not political. In a statement on Tuesday, the league said it wholly agreed with the single objective of eradicating racial prejudice, but was aware of the risk posed by groups that seem to hijack popular causes. It comes after UK BLM, a group connected with the Black Lives Matter movement, called for the dismantling of capitalism and commented on issues regarding Israel and Palestine. Premier League chief Richard Masters has said he believes it is perfectly possible to support the sentiment of the movement without being seen to support any political organisation. Players will continue to wear Black Lives Matter logos on their shirts until the end of the season. Education Secretary Gavin Williamson has warned parents may be fined if they do not send their children back to school after their expected reopening in September. Speaking to LBC on Monday, Williamson said children in England would need to return in the autumn unless there was a very good reason or a local lockdown. The Education Secretary has also addressed whether social distancing will remain when pupils return, saying safety was not about one metre or about two metres, but based on reducing the number of virus transmission points within schools. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister has dedicated a £1 billion fund for the completion of 50 major school construction projects in England. A further £560 million has been set aside for repairs to crumbling school buildings. The 50 projects will be identified later this year, with work on selected schools commencing from September 2021. Johnson said the investment would make England's schools fit for the future. Jeff Barton, leader of the ASCL Head Teachers Union, said the funding was desperately needed and long overdue. Elsewhere, exams regulator Ofqual has confirmed pupils who dispute the grades awarded to them by their teachers will be able to sit GCSE and A-level exams in the autumn. This summer's qualifications are being conducted internally via teachers' assessments after exams were cancelled due to COVID-19. Teachers are required to evaluate students' likely grades and rank them within these marks from top to bottom before submitting them to the exam boards. Exams enabling pupils to improve upon these grades will now be held across all subjects from October, with results promised before Christmas. Police Scotland has named the man suspected of stabbing six people in an attack in Glasgow as Badruddin Abdallah Adam. The 28-year-old was an asylum seeker from Sudan, who had been staying at the Park Inn Hotel in West George Street. On Friday, Adam was shot by police after stabbing six people, including a police officer, in an attack at the hotel. Staff at the hotel had reportedly been warned by a Glasgow-based liaison worker that Adam was mentally unstable the night before the incident. Other Sudanese asylum seekers at the hotel said they were scared of Adam and had expressed concerns to the liaison worker about his erratic behaviour. Police are investigating the circumstances surrounding the incident. The Home Secretary has dashed holidaymakers' hopes of booking foreign breaks after warning it will take some time to agree air bridges with other countries. Travel firms reported a surge in demand over the weekend following the news that agreements may allow British tourists to visit selected destinations without having to quarantine from the 6th of July. However, Priti Patel has told Sky News these measures won't come in overnight. They will take time because some of this will be down to negotiation and discussion with certain countries. 
The Home Secretary said there would be an announcement about possible air bridges in the next few days. An independent review has revealed serial rapist Joseph McCann was freed from prison and able to commit a series of attacks after major failings by probation staff. McCann was given 33 life sentences in December for the abduction, rape and assault of 11 women and children. A review led by Justin Russell, Chief Inspector of Probation, found McCann had been mistakenly free despite signs he posed a risk to the public. Russell said McCann had been managed by an unstable probation team, lacking in experience and skilled practitioners and facing high staff turnover. Most worryingly, Russell said, prison staff did not inform probation officers about the risk posed by McCann. The review has made 13 recommendations to the prison and probation service. New figures from the Metropolitan Police show the number of motorists caught speeding in London surged 71% during the coronavirus lockdown. Officers issued 3,282 traffic offence reports to motorists suspected of speeding during April, up from 1,922 during the same month last year. A further 14,736 drivers were caught by roadside cameras. Superintendent Andy Cox said some of those caught speeding told police, we thought you'd be busy dealing with Covid. Maybe some people tried to take advantage because congestion was less and thought they'd get away with it, he added. Online shoppers could be set to face compulsory delivery charges as part of efforts to reduce congestion and emissions produced by delivery vehicles. According to reports in The Times, the government is considering a mandatory charge, similar to that imposed on plastic bags, for all online deliveries. A report from scientific advisors at the Department for Transport said the use of free and next-day delivery deals had led to unnecessary over-ordering and compulsory charges may be needed to encourage more sustainable behaviour. The department said it was considering launching a public consultation on the proposals. IVS success rates have tripled in the UK over the last 20 years, according to the Fertility Regulator. Almost a third of all embryo transfers in women under 35 now result in a baby. While chances of IVF success have improved across all age groups since 1998, birth rates remain far higher among younger women. In 2018, the average birth rate per embryo transferred was 31% for under 35s, compared with less than 5% for patients aged 43 and over. Professor Adam Ballin of the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists has welcomed the improved success rates, but warned patients in England were struggling to access IVF due to a fall in NHS-funded cycles. In 2018 in Scotland, 60% of treatment was NHS-funded, compared to 41% in Wales and 35% in England, he said. The backlog of cases in the criminal justice system could take a decade to clear, an official watchdog has warned. The inspectorate responsible for monitoring the Crown Prosecution Service, CPS, said tackling the build-up could prove to be more complex than dealing with the immediate crisis. While a report from the inspectorate has praised the CPS's response to the crisis, it also warned delays to untried cases are likely to be highly detrimental to justice and require radical solutions. The report comes as Justice Secretary Robert Buckland prepares emergency legislation aimed at easing the burden on courts, including proposals for 10 emergency Nightingale courts, and provisions for Crown courts to hear cases with seven jurors rather than 12 to accommodate social distancing. Elsewhere in the world, pro-democracy activist Joshua Wong has spoken out after China's parliament passed national security legislation for Hong Kong on Tuesday, saying it marks the end of Hong Kong that the world knew before. The security laws come in response to last year's pro-democracy protest movement and incur penalties including life imprisonment for the crimes of secession, subversion, terrorism and collusion with foreign forces. Donald Clark, law professor at George Washington University, has warned anyone who has ever said anything that might offend the People's Republic of China to stay out of Hong Kong after it emerged the legislation would apply to anyone, regardless of whether they are a Hong Kong resident or in Hong Kong at all. Beijing has also confirmed suspects can be extradited from Hong Kong to mainland China under the new rules. As the legislation was passed on Tuesday, activists in the territory began disbanding protest groups amid fears of imminent prosecution. The laws came into force on Wednesday as Hong Kong marked the 23rd anniversary of the territory's handover from Britain to China. Police warning signs indicated that anyone found displaying banners, chanting slogans or conducting themselves with an intent such as secession could face arrest. 
Almost 400 pro-democracy protesters are thought to have been arrested during the law's first day of operation. Addressing MPs on Wednesday, UK Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab said the imposition of the laws marked a deeply disturbing step for the freedoms of Hong Kong. In response to the legislation, the UK has moved to offer British national overseas passport holders in Hong Kong a path to British citizenship. Raab said the arrangement would honour the UK's historic commitment to the people of Hong Kong. Both Beijing and Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam have insisted the legislation is aimed at a small minority of troublemakers and will not impact the freedoms of Hong Kongers. Beyonce has urged US voters to head to the polls in the upcoming presidential election. Accepting the humanitarian award at the BET Awards on Sunday, the singer dedicated the prize to Black Lives Matter protesters and encouraged viewers to get out and vote in local elections, primaries and the presidential election later this year. The BET Awards celebrate black artists and sports people, with Beyonce's award presented by Michelle Obama, who praised the star for her commitment to the black community. The singer urged viewers to help dismantle a racist and unequal system by voting, saying, we have to vote like our life depends on it, because it does. A new report from a leading Yemeni human rights group has revealed the scale of torture and death occurring in the country's unofficial detention centres. Between May 2016 and April 2020, research by Mortana uncovered 1,605 cases of arbitrary detention, 770 cases of enforced disappearance and 344 cases of torture. The abuses were committed by all of Yemen's warring parties across unofficial detention centres and prisons, although the Iranian-backed Houthi rebels were found to be responsible for the majority of cases. Mortana said monitors and families rarely had access to detainees in unofficial centres, the use of which had surged during Yemen's five-year-long war. The New York Attorney General has announced that two sexual misconduct lawsuits against Harvey Weinstein are to be settled for nearly $19 million. The settlement, which must still be approved by a federal judge and a bankruptcy court, has been reached on behalf of multiple women. New York Attorney General Letitia James has welcomed the agreement as finally offering survivors some semblance of justice. However, attorneys representing six of the women have condemned the deal as a sellout that does not require Weinstein to accept responsibility or personally pay out towards the settlement. Weinstein is currently serving a 23-year prison sentence for a separate rape conviction. Our facts of the week are 67 million items of clothing are expected to be donated to charity shops after two in five Brits reported having a wardrobe clear out during lockdown. According to a survey from sustainability charity RAP, almost half of respondents said they would be donating unwanted clothes to charity collections or shops after they began reopening earlier this month. RAP director Peter Maddox said the charity sector was preparing for an unprecedented volume of donations. He has urged the public not to dump items outside charity shops and to check whether stores are open before turning up. 63% of adults in the UK say their relationships have been strengthened by living together during the coronavirus lockdown, according to a survey by relationships charity Relate and dating website eHarmony. The study of more than 2,000 over-18s found 58% said they now know they want to be with their partner forever, while 59% felt more committed to their partner after dealing with the pandemic together. Experts say the lockdown has triggered a wave of turbo relationships, where couples have moved at a much faster pace than they would have done under normal conditions. And finally, 6.5 million pub trips are expected over the upcoming weekend, according to the Centre for Economics and Business Research, CEBR, as Super Saturday ushers in the reopening of pubs, restaurants and bars after more than three months of lockdown in England. The CEBR predicts there will be around 1.5 million more pub visits this Saturday and Sunday than on a typical July weekend, with Britain's forecast to spend an estimated £210 million. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.